Hey folks, you're about to hear episode 95 of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Holy cow, we are approaching episode 100, and I'm running a membership drive to celebrate that milestone. And because it's episode 95, because we've been doing this membership drive for a few weeks, I want to say a heartfelt thank you. Like I really, really appreciate how many new people signed up have started back in the show, have said, yeah, this is the time. This is when I'm going to take the plunge. This is when I am going to support a podcast that I think is worth supporting. That's that's me doing your voice, and I'm very thankful to you for your voice saying that thing to me. On top of that, we just hit the first next goal for the drive, which is for me to do a fun workshop on how to win a game show. I won Jeopardy four times. Do people know that? Not everyone does. I think I might have some advice if you want to do that. I also think it would just be a fun hang. Like, it's it's just interesting to hear about Jeopardy, I feel, and I find. So, very excited to put that workshop together, and there's information on the next goals for the membership drive over at SifPod.fun. There are a lot of other things I'd love to do with this podcast. Your support can make that possible. Anyway, that's the plug. We're still driving to 100, and in the meantime, I hope you enjoy... Episode 95. Menstrual pads. Known for being products. Famous for! Periods. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why menstrual pads are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Two wonderful returning guests this week. I'm joined by Nagin Farsad and Hannah Michaels. Nagin hosts a wonderful podcast. It's called Fake the Nation. It's over on the HeadGum Network, which is very good. And the show is a comedy podcast breaking down the latest political news with amazing comedy guests joining in and politics guests and everything in between. You also may remember Nagin from the episode of this show about triangles, and you may remember Hannah Michaels from the episode of this show about the Legend of Zelda franchise. Hannah is an amazing comedy writer in her own right. She has work at Bunny Ears, The Devastator, Reductress, lots more great places. Also going to link her Etsy store because she does wonderful, very fun and funny craft work. And Hannah's an old pal, one of my favorite guests all over podcasting. I'm so glad she and Nagin are here. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. To acknowledge Nagin recorded this on the traditional land of the Lenape people, acknowledge Hana recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielina Wartongva and Keech and Chumash peoples, and acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode, and today's episode is about menstrual pads. Menstrual pads are the number one patron-chosen topic for the month of May. And many thanks to Alyssa Brown for that fantastic suggestion. Also, Alyssa's suggestion was framed in a cool way. She suggested menstrual pads slash period products. And I think that's the show you're going to get. I decided to focus on menstrual pads because there is just so much there on its own. And then, of course, we talk about other period products as we cover that. 
And then the only other things to say about this topic, I think, are context setting things and context addressing things. This topic was voted on and chosen by patrons in April. So in May, when there was a leak of a Supreme Court decision, and more importantly, there was news that the Supreme Court is going to strip many years of precedent and abortion protections from women in America, this topic was selected before any of that was news. I think patrons are just excited to hear about it in general. And with all that established, please sit back or hike up your hidden elastic belt because you were a woman listening to this as recently as the early 1970s. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Nagin Farsad and Hannah Michaels. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Nagin, Hannah, it is so good to have you both back on. And of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Either of you can start, but how do you feel about menstrual pads? <laughs> what a topic. Patron yeah, Thank you, topic. Alyssa Brown. I thank mean, you. we're really getting into it. Lots <laughs> of feelings. Lots of... <laughs> they were my first introduction to womanhood, if that's something. Yeah. That is? Mine too. Um, oh, yeah. It's, that's everything. That's great. I, yes. uh, yeah. There's a period of time in which tampons are too scary. Sometimes yeah. overnight tampons are a little iffy. Yeah. Um, technology could definitely be improved. <clears throat> uh, but just like it's like a it's like a good it's a starter. It's a starter product yeah. for, for the young ladies who are experiencing their menstruation for the first time, for sure. And then in some countries, like, they don't use tampons at all. Like, in some countries, like, pads are the game, the only game. Mm, um, yeah. And I say that with very little authority because I just feel like I've seen that, but I'm not sure if that's totally true. That's the same. I feel like I've seen that as well. And I think it also depends on, like, what is, what's the fashion like? You know, what, what wardrobe do you have? Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. is it you know is it going to be tight pants because if not pads are great unless it's also really hot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, but also like it was my it was my only I want to say my parents my mom never gave me any kind of discussion about being a like an adult a person like I was never mm. t- I was never talked to about anything of any significance <laughs> And, oh, okay. <laughs> but I will, but I, I will say, just like handing me a pad was the entire discussion of womanhood. Like that was, yeah, okay. that, so that's my main relation is that it was my mom's form of telling me you're, you're a woman now. Cool, and also, and <laughs> thank you both for answering this question. This is, I think, this is the first topic on the show where I've just been like, guests tell me about it, and then I don't have. <laughs> personal relationship to it but i because my relationship to it is just never learning anything about it in school or or from people i think it was just assumed i would find out when i needed to know as a male who could have like you know a a female partner or women in their life or something right and i I think that does everyone kind of a disservice like i recently saw ads for um discreetly disposable pads and i was like no Pads are a tester as to whether or not you want to keep that partner. If they see a pad <laughs> in the trash and they're upset about it, that's a sign. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
But also, you know, it, it it's interesting that like men know so little about it because I was watching this movie called Together Together and it's with Ed Helms and he is the male only uh. parent surrogate uh, person who's trying to to have a kid and he engages a surrogate in having this a baby you know he's going to be solo parenting or whatever and the yeah. surrogates when they become friends and it's a really beautiful a little movie this isn't really spoiling anything but there's a scene in which she's like can you teach me how to use a tampon and uh and she, and so he goes you know he he does the role play as as if like this is his 12-year-old daughter or whatever. They don't even know what the baby of the child is. They're just they're, they're sort of the gender of the child. is. They're just like, you know, um, talking about all possibilities. And it was a really touching scene because he couldn't explain how to use a tampon. But also I was just like, oh, there's an inaccuracy here because you would start with a pad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah. it was it was interesting, interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to see a man even talk about it or like try to describe how one gets used. It's like it's so, it's so funny that it's not just like common knowledge for everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? My yeah. last my last household was um, all women and trans men. So it was just like the norm. Cis men just are never kind of given that knowledge and it's it's real important. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. And researching this has been a real treat. Like I was really starting from zero on a lot of this stuff. I, I <laughs> read and Googled about how to put a tampon in a couple days ago. And now I know a lot more because I was pushed by a podcast, which no no one, no one else is in this situation. Uh, that's never the, the what reason. Everyone, yeah, what, every, what everyone needs is a podcast to get them to learn about pads and tampons. That's what there we this go. Is, I think this is the takeaway. Is Honestly, that we need yes. So many more podcasts out there <laughs> that people need to research and then do. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually I, I part of the reason I came on here is cuz I want to know what people did before pads and tampons. Like I yeah. imagine you did some research into that and I imagine a lot of that knowledge is lost to time just because women would have to discreetly hand this to their daughters and not like discuss it with anyone. So it wouldn't have been written down yeah. necessarily. You know, don't they know. don't even know. They don't even know the genesis of the Macarena dance moves. So <laughs> I feel like I, I learned this recently. And so I feel like, I mean, even knowing like the real beginnings of the pad is like going to be a real stretch. I always assumed there was like a music I... video that I never saw. That's amazing. No, like it's in a but they they can't figure out who because it started people. It's like the song's <laughs> Spanish, but then it was written in Argentina. But then there's wow. this dancing started in Mexico. Nobody could find like the person that did it in mexico you know what i mean yeah. so just like nobody knows it's just it's all of a sudden they're like the, you know hands on the shoulders hands out you know what i mean it's happening and uh and so then they made a music video like kind of formalizing it but like the no one knows the beginnings and and it's very much the same i think um historical phenomenon as pets <laughs> and one hit wonders are very much the same yeah i agreed he, here is the big difference that's jumping to my mind. I learned the moves to the Macarena in school. Like, they bothered to teach me that. <laughs> right. 
educators were paid to do that. And right, right. So they should do like the Macarena you do in one, like half of the lesson is for the Macarena and then the other half should be about pets. Yeah. I feel yeah. like also, like I remember the quadratic formula because my teacher sang it to Pop Goes the Weasel. You could have steps to putting in a tampon to the Macarena. It's a very catchy song. Oh, you that's will remember so true. <laughs> that's so true. And, and Hannah, your big questions about this, they're most of the show coming up. And, and also, I want to go back to one thing. I think you both mentioned that there are some countries where pads are much more or less popular than others. And in research, I did read that just, they, you know, they can just go off sales numbers of these products. And I guess in China in particular, that's one country where tampons are very uncommon in the current times. Like they're only about 2% of the market. Wow. And then okay. the Guardian article I was reading said that Europe, it's more like 70%. Like this, okay. this really varies yeah. like nationally, culturally, individually, women are turning to different products for all kinds of reasons. It seems like, I don't really know, but from what I read, that's the situation. Yeah. 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 That sounds right. I mean, cause I can, again, not knowing anything, I don't have any real data here, but I, you know, I'm Iranian and I feel like on top of being an Islamic Republic, I don't think they're huge fans of tampons. I think they're more, ta- I think they're more pad people. Um, Could be, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, and I wonder if that cho- also has to do with maybe more religious conservatism or something. You know what I mean? Like there, maybe there's a correlation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also in some of this research, apparently in especially 1800s Europe and 1800s, like colonized North America, some young women were pressured to not use tampons Mm -hmm. because of the like penetrative element of using it. And so then they were draw, they were like pushed toward pads, even, even though it's just a tampon, like it's not, it's not a sexual thing. There's, there's a weird, at least the big three major religions, I think that there is, a, there are weird beliefs about the hymen yeah. correlating with virginity. I know my cousins were modern Orthodox, so they had to kind of weave, bob and weave through that to be able to use tampons. Um, wow. Okay. It depends on how extreme is your belief, how literal is your belief, but I think many major religions have some like unscientific ideas about the hymen and how it correlates to virginity yeah 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 and i also read that apparently you can ins- like the hymen has an opening and you can insert the tampon through it so like it, you oh, know, yeah. it's it's there's all there's all kinds of reasons to not sweat it but also people do plus you can you can break your hymen like riding a horse like it doesn't it's not yeah some people are born without one but yeah, and so this is, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm really excited listeners pick this topic because, again, we'll mainly focus on pads. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on other um, other period products as well. But, oh, yes, we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure, yeah, feeling confident about it. I haven't had a period for like two-ish years. I have endometriosis. I regulate with pills. So I don't have as much experience as most other people with uteruses. Like, I just don't. I rarely have them because they hurt like hell when I do. I have to like block out a week and be like, I can't work that week because I'm going to be in so much pain. <laughs> um, okay. So I will know less than... Uh, I'll, I'll cover for you. Don't thank worry. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, also like one, one other thing on my mind with this topic is like there is a chance that 
this comedy podcast episode researched but comedy about menstrual pads might be like the first time some listeners are hearing some of this information and if you're planning on acting on any of it please talk to someone else or like look into something you know like (laughs) i'm not a medical expert there's not a medical show i also think it's like a fascinating topic we can get into you know Okay, well, Alex said that, but I just want everyone to know that I'm speaking on behalf of the entire medical establishment, and I know absolutely everything. Okay. There's Some a people call of me Dr. Nagin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, kidding, folks. None of us are. We none of us know what we're talking about. Not, and we, should, we should. Ne- we should generally never be listened to. But I basically turn off the podcast now. Now's right. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but let's get into the info here on every episode our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics this week that's in a segment called all i want to do is stats 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 and a ch- ching and count your numbers <laughs> and uh, that name was submitted by paul garaventa thank you paul we have a new name for this segment every week please make it as silly and wacky and best possible submit to siftpod on twitter or to siftpod at gmail.com Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And uh, the first number here, and this doesn't apply to everybody, but the first number is 500. And 500 is the approximate number of times a modern American woman will have a period in their lifetime. It, it breaks down to about 40 years of monthly periods is the oh, approximate number. Wow. Okay. Yeah. God, when you put it like that, it's like, oh, all right. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, uh, I've done, they're spread um, out. You know. Yeah, I've done, I've done three hundred and three episodes of my podcast, Fake the Nation. <laughs> so I'm trying to think, oh, like, how you know, <laughs> another two hundred, and my, and my, and my show will be in menopause, and so that's what's fun about that. Another two hundred episodes of that podcast. <laughs> you, we never celebrate when a podcast goes into menopause, which I think is another that's thing that's wrong with society because like, it happens to every podcast. You know what I mean? And we're all so shameful about it. <laughs> Mark Barron just getting hot flashes or whatever the thing is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a stereotype. I, I, I don't know. Jump to mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is when my mom went through menopause, she had like an entire cabinet of period products. I'll never get through them. I still have them. Some are expired. Um, she just, she was just oh. like, here, take this. I can't use it anymore. Oh, wow. She was like, here is my um, stockpile, beloved daughter. Yes. You know. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, I, I have one period a year because... The amount of period that I experience is equivalent to once a month. <laughs> so, yeah, and then also the and the source for this it's a book called "Flow: The Cultural Story of Menstruation." It's by Alyssa Stein and Susan Kim. And then they also say something interesting about this number, which is that women in past eras probably had fewer periods across their lifetimes than modern women do. What really? Yeah, and it's I had never thought about this but oh, because they had more babies that's one of the big reasons yeah more babies and more breastfeeding and so that that suppresses menstrual flow apparently the big big reason is that modern american women eat better and get enough food and so if you have proper nutrition puberty starts younger and so then that increases the number of periods you'll have too oh 
I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I had a one of them babies, and one Ooh. of the things, thank you, and um, one of the, <laughs> you know, one of the sort of like gifts you're supposed to get is that like you don't get your period for like. I mean, I've, I've had friends that didn't get it for several months after they gave birth, right? Like, you don't have your yeah. period when you're pregnant, and then several months after you're pregnant, you're still, your body's still like, no, thank you, you know what I mean? And then it get, and then it's like, all right, it's time, you know? But my <laughs> body was like, let's just get into it on month four. So, like, I didn't have oh. that beautiful honeymoon period of just, like, not having it for a long time. And so I was breastfeeding and getting my period at the same time. <laughs> Which is one of those cruel dro- jokes of nature, um, but you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds draining, literally and figuratively. Like it's actually, you're just getting rid of fluids from your body constantly. It's horrible, <laughs> right. both ends. It's just all over the place. Everybody's so different. It's actually it's funny because this is like it's it's like it's the it is the equivalent of like vomiting and at the same time but like totally different it's, it's the yeah. equivalent and joe is completely different but so life-giving right like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just like a bit a huge sign of vitality yeah wow yeah i with basically everything in this show everybody's different like it's it's exciting that there's so much variety among people i feel and then also maybe chaotic individually i don't know right (laughs) well because then there's no like manual you know what i mean like we're not all just like you can't just default to factory settings it doesn't it doesn't exactly work that way right not at all if you if you do soak yourself in rice like eventually (laughs) you'll try out eventually your cell phone will work work again (laughs) (laughs) as they as they said in ancient times yeah so there's this set of periods on average and the national geographic says the average woman will use at least five thousand pads and tampons across Mm. their lifetime to uh support this that's and then about how much they sent on um Sally Ride's first mission to the moon with her, right? Oh, that's right. I remember hearing about that. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, apparently male engineers asked her if a hundred tampons would be enough for a one week space mission. And she said, I, I think that'll cover it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and the next number here about pads is up to ninety percent. And up to 90% is the plastic contents of a modern disposable menstrual pad. It turns really? out a lot of it can be plastic or other synthetic materials. Yeah. That's upsetting because I think in the commercials, they really talk about the kind of like cotton. Yeah. Like the cotton of it. You know what I mean? How natural yeah. it is. Natural and cottons and yeah. fibers. Um, I want to say that also, like, look... Of the many, many things we can all be doing to um, help climate change, mm-hmm. um, I know that, like, I, you know, probably menstrual waste product products for menstrual waste or whatever are is, isn't huge on everybody's list, but like, it was something for me because I'm like, I'm one of these ass- that I <laughs> compost. I have cloth napkins. I'm a nightmare. Okay, so I think about that all the time and I really was upset I mean because I mostly use 
tampons and I, I just felt like the waist was not right. And so I sort of, I transitioned to a diva cup that you, that's reusable and there's, and you, and they last longer, whatever, whatever there's a whole thing, um, with diva cups. And so that I was mostly something I did for environmental reasons, because the, I, I didn't even know there was so many plastics and pads. I don't know what the numbers are for tampons, but, um, but yeah, like that's upsetting that there's so much plastic in them just on a, yeah. you know, mother nature front. And it turns out tampons, it's way lower. It's about 6% plastic. Okay. But Mostly still, like plastic on the string and stuff. And then yeah. more if there's an applicator, but otherwise, right. yeah, a lot less. And, but you've gone even below that 6%. You're like, no. Yeah. I'm, hey, I'm doing my part, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and pat me on the shoulder when we don't reach our emissions uh, <laughs> threshold. <laughs> and uh, and Just yeah, slap and then... like the CEO of Nestle with your diva cup. It'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the environment. Bam. <laughs> and yeah, that's up to ninety percent plastic content for pads. If if the ones you buy say they have mostly not plastic, that's probably true. But National Geographic says that with a lot of modern pads, there's plastic packaging and then a leak-proof base that is plastic. Mm, yeah, and then there right. also might be plastic in the wings that are adhesive. The wings, and then yep. sometimes there are plastic fibers woven into the absorbent part to help wick everything into the middle. Yeah. And so with that combo, there can be a lot of plastic in a pad. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I forgot about wings. That that was a whole thing that happened. There's oh, there's yeah. a whole aerodynamic um, you know, <laughs> element to pads <laughs> yep. that just unheralded. Nobody ever talks about it. But yes, wings. I forgot about those. <laughs> aerodynamic, like they're flying away. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a secondary use of pads, you know, by small animals that can fit on them to fly away. <laughs> Oh, that's what my cat's trying to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then many women have decided to switch away from disposable pads to reusable pads or other methods to combat this. Because, yeah, it's a, it's a relatively high plastic content. And like we're saying, tons of other things going on, especially from companies, are the big climate change thing. But on an individual basis, we can do that kind of thing, too. P.S. I didn't realize that there were reusable pads. I mean, again, I'm not in the pad. Like, I'm not currently in the pad world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so apologies. Uh, But (laughs) the way you are, Alex, you know what I mean? Um, I represent that community. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I did not know that reusable pads were a thing. Yeah, they're, it's like machine washable, basically. It's usually cloth. It's I don't know if maybe it, it shouldn't technically be called a pad, but it's that kind of shape and structure and thing. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think if it if it goes in your underwear rather than up inside, that's a that counts as a pad. Yeah, yeah. A sock while you're camping and in in a dire circumstance could be a pad. Oh yeah, and and yeah. Uh, hey, we have all been there. Oh, yeah. Wanted up toilet paper. Yep. Oh, my friend. That is my friend. Like on many, many, many occasions, almost almost once a month when I'm like, what? Oh, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's like always a surprise, even though it's completely every time on time. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, that's got to be a common experience, right? Just, yeah. oh, period. And you don't happen to have something handy. That's, yeah. yeah. You're like at a podcast studio, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and they are n- notorious for not having women's products in the bathroom. Oh, how about that? I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> okay, nobody. No, there's actually no. Uh, there's no stereotype about podcast networks <laughs> bathrooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just made that up like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, last number here. This is is good news along those lines. It is November twenty fourth, twenty twenty. The date November twenty fourth, twenty twenty. That's the date when the country of Scotland voted to require local authorities to offer period products to anyone who needs them. Wow! Oh, that's wonderful. How does that work? Do you know? Like, you go somewhere and be like, "I need them." Yeah, and apparently they're still kind of rolling this out because the law gave everybody two years to get a system going. So they have okay. until this coming November twenty two. But the BBC said Scotland is the first country in the world to do a law like this. And the Scottish Parliament passed and they directed the 32 council governments of Scotland to just work out whatever system they felt makes sense in their area. So this is a, is this like explicitly a way of mitigating the pink tax, basically? Yeah, that and fundamental period poverty when people just can't afford products at all. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I didn't know that happened. That's that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I know, I, but I also just think I would love. I don't know if this is in your research, but I would love to know over those five hundred periods of the lifetime of periods, what, how much money am, have I spent <laughs> that like <laughs> that like you then don't have to spend? You know what I mean? Is that and did you yeah. invest it and now you're like you're really rich because you invested all of the money that I spent <laughs> on pads and tampons? You know what I mean? I would love to know those numbers just so I could get like real angry. But, you know, that's also something that I find fascinating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like pay is unequal. And then I don't have to buy this whole set of things. On top of that. On top of that. Yeah. I've been buying men's razors because they're if you get the exact same brand, the exact same model, but it's blue, it's slightly cheaper. Uh, Ew, yeah. but it's blue. How do you even survive that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. How do you stand fully the most popular color in the world? Did an episode about blue. It turns out surveys say it's number one. Uh- <laughs> Yo, blue. I just want to say that right now. Sorry. Continue. This is a different episode. <laughs> Yeah, and I and Nagin, that's a great question because yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find like a good number for what one woman spends. I, I was seeing numbers in the tens of billions for like the annual period right. product industry, right. but yeah, it, it's it's hard to nobody's done like a great number for a woman's lifetime spend there. It, it would probably be a frustrating number. Uh, it's, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's probably yeah, not great. 100%. <laughs> Because it's funny because they always talk about like, you know what a great way to save money. It's always like stop buying coffee every day, which is like, what if the government just gave me tampons and I could keep (laughs) buying coffee? You know what I mean? Like they always talk about this thing of like coffee, even though it's how I do. It's what I derive my joy from is buying that one cup of coffee a day. Um, (laughs) But nobody talks about like, what if we offset the price of your periods by... The government of Scotland. 
Yeah. And and there's like another nice thing where hopefully this law is inspiring other ones. Mental Floss says that it's not it's not for everybody, but in 2021, California passed a state law where they mandated free period products for students. It's for college students and kids grades 6 through 12. They can just get free period products at their school. And the people who drafted it explicitly said Scotland is the inspiration for this law. That's where we got the idea. That's awesome. That's great. Scotland isn't the inspiration for very much because like haggis <laughs> is kind of their main it's like you know what I mean so they like really had to do something to kind of like overshadow haggis being their most like popular <laughs> export there's a there's a Scottish podcast right now where the men are like if I didn't have to buy haggis every day like <laughs> that money <laughs> totally <laughs> be so rich (laughs) off of that we are going to a short break followed by a whole new takeaway back for another game you know it what's going on just one more week till max fun drive (laughs) hard to believe it's been a heck of a year since the last one we're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Yes, I know. That's good news. And and uh, and from here we can get into a couple big takeaways about pets. And the first one is takeaway number one. Women have been making and inventing menstrual pads across all of history. Uh, basically, as far back as we have recorded history, there are stories of women DIYing something that is like, like Hannah, I like that kind of definition you gave of like something fulfilling the role and location of a pad is a pad, even if it's not, um, you know, like put out of a factory by Kotex. So we have a bunch of these. Yeah. No, I mean, not at all surprising. I imagine like a bundle of leaves, less comfortable. But, you know, I can picture that as being a solution at whatever very primitive point. Yeah, apparently one of the biggest ones is like grasses. And I'm sure people did leaves too. Like it is this thing where also there are records of this and they're 
fundamentally incomplete. Like just so many of these approaches and moves were not written down or just one lady did it one time, you know, it's, it's a, but this has been as anyone can figure people, women have been menstruating forever and they figured out something to do before like Walgreens existed. They figured it out. Right. They figured it out. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of like in nature. I mean, it's really just grasses. I wouldn't look at grass and be like, that's some absorbent shit right there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have that relationship right. with grass. Like, no. I don't know, but uh... I imagine cloth has been around for a long time in some form. So yeah, maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Some sort of cloth. Um, That's one. Yeah, maybe pelts, which sounds gross as hell. Well, once it's like dried up, and you know, yeah, I can once picture... it's tanned and like yeah, decontaminated. Like... Like a fur, like some sort of yeah. fur thing would sit in there and you need to wash it off or whatever. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm gonna hit some sources here. One of them is a book from the numbers. It's Flow by Alyssa Stein and Susan Kim. Another book is called The Curse, A Cultural History of Menstruation. And that's mm-hmm. by Janice Delaney, Mary Jane Lupton, and Emily Toth. And then also leaning on the U.S. National Museum of Civil War Medicine in Maryland. And no, Mental I was Floss. waiting for you to reference that book. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. But I I know exactly what this is. Pads are very effective at uh, absorbing and uh, sterilizing other wounds as well. Yeah, especially like next takeaway after this, we'll talk about World War One being a big thing with that. Yeah. And then the Civil War medicine, they're talking about some prior stuff, too, because if we go way, way back to ancient history, apparently... Various cultures, various places, ladies came up with something. In ancient Rome, women made some pads out of wool, like soft wools. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see that. And apparently in ancient China, some women used sand, and then they would tightly wrap the sand in fabric, and then that could be a pad. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And sand is a little bit more disposable. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. And there were women in Japan who used paper, like piling, making paper and then piling that. Mm-hmm. Grasses, vegetable fibers. Apparently some people in native North America, they would make a pad using moss and then hold that together with bison skin. And then lots of women across cultures used rags, used cloths. And uh, there are also stories of people using sponges, people using rabbits fur. This Mm -hmm. is just, you know, whatever did the job worked. And also the further you go back in history, people are making just more of their things in general, including clothes. So that, you know, people were already being handy with so many things. They didn't think it was strange that there was no like business to sell them this. They were like, well, I make everything. So I'll make this. Right, 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 right. Yeah, the lost art of pad making, by the way. I just pictured myself, like, affixing some cloth to, like, uh, what did you say, bison skin? Yeah, bison skin, yeah, sure. Yeah, and just, like, yeah, like, going for it. That seemed, I mean, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's, I can't even picture myself, like, really doing that effectively. That's, that's remarkable. We're, we're such garbage, like, that we don't do <laughs> you know what I mean? In many ways. What the, the other takeaway from this takeaway is that we're such garbage. <laughs> this, was, this was such a reminder that I don't know how to make anything except yeah. podcasts, I guess. But like, I don't know how to stitch together or build stuff. And yeah. people, people had to build everything. Yeah. No, I was, I was literally crafting before I got <laughs> on call and I would not know how to do this. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just selling out of resin and clay. It's so a great Etsy shop. We'll link it. We'll link it. Oh, thank you. It's coming up. Yeah. But it's funny because now we have like people, it's like crafting or, you know, building or sewing or whatever on TV shows as a competition because it's so unusual. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, it's like, oh, Hannah knows how to craft stuff from resin. That's like novel. Like it's uh hey, here's no. a thing about how, but in the past it was like, yeah, we all know how to make many things uh, that's boring about us. No one thinks about this. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, you're going to make a sh- TV show? Isn't everyone going to fall asleep because that's what we all do? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, the Great British Bake Off is great to fall asleep to. They are very soothing British true. people. Oh. <laughs> that is true. That I, fall, I have fallen asleep to that very self-same show. Yeah, bless them and their soggy bottoms. Just knocking us out. <laughs> oh, love it. My favorite out of context quote from that show, by the way, is I have confidence in dad's curd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, and, uh, and then as ladies kind of kept doing this for themselves, really from like ancient times all the way into the 1800s or so, pads were kind of the same all around the main shift was that lots of people lots of places focused on reusable cloth and they would especially like stitch or sew something that was their go-to pad type cloth for when their period came and you know then they'd wash it with the other laundry and reuse it and then also apparently in 1800s europe and colonized north america women tended to only wear underwear bottoms once a month because those bottoms were mainly to hold their cloth in place or be part of that. And other times they would maybe not wear underwear just because. Right. Because you don't technically need it. Yeah. Yeah. You can go I, I imagine the amount of skirts they were wearing at the time more than sufficed for yeah. anyone who wanted to. There was a yeah. lot of skirt in those skirts. A lot of, a lot of petticoat, a lot of skirt. Yeah. Yeah, apparently also a lot of the underwear until into the 1900s for women's bottoms wasn't closed in the crotch area because like it was difficult to get through all your skirts to manipulate the underwear and so like if you wanted to use the bathroom it was easier if it was just open. So a whole different thing, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. also cuz if they were using the kind of hole in the ground Ottoman style right. <laughs> Then it's like your underwear or pulling up around your ankle. Like it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just a completely different planet, basically. Yeah. uh, To live on. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and yeah. And then even though, you know, industry and the Industrial Revolution, then they start manufacturing tampons and, and other products. Apparently, pads were relatively slow to get manufactured and catch on. The company Johnson & Johnson manufactured the first disposable cotton pad in 1896. That was the first time a company would make you a pad, 1896. And it was called Lister's Pads. It was named after the surgeon Joseph Lister, who was famous for sterilizing things and is also the namesake of Listerine. And oh, okay. Yeah, this guy was like the brand name of clean stuff. And so they it's were It's funny because like, he also yeah. sounds like... Like a terrible guy to have at a party. You know what yep. I mean? <laughs> like like wanting to make sure everything's clean and you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. that's that's great. He has a legacy, but ooh, 
he wasn't fun to hang out with. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely sounds like he gets his talking, his party talking points off of Snapple caps. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, 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 exactly. I also I feel like all old timey surgeons were basically Frankenstein. Like they were all pretty creepy on some (laughs) level, even though they're helping people. So I don't know. Not a great hang. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Should I put on gloves? Nah. Nah. <laughs> and uh, and then the Lister's Pad brand also did not take off. According to Delaney Lepton and Toth's book, the company Johnson Johnson is like, we have Lister Pads and we are very uncomfortable about any form of marketing that would explain what these are because you can't talk about menstruation. Like it's not for polite society to mention. So it was like... They put them. They prevented themselves from so selling like it. A mysterious object. They were yep. keeping where people would be like, "What are these?" Yeah. What? yeah. And they're like, I'm sorry, I'm not at liberty to say. Basically, yeah. And so then they didn't take off, and they stopped making them. And then there weren't pads manufactured on a big scale again until the 1920s. Wow. Yeah. That's. And then in the <laughs> 20s, were they allowed to say what it was? And that, yeah, in the 20s, I think people either figured it out or uh, or they were able to use the technological leap they made, which we'll talk about in a sec. They, so that that took off as a business. Oh, was, was this the belt hooks time? It gets there, yeah. Yeah, we can get into the next takeaway here. This is takeaway number two. World War One and the 1970s each revolutionized the menstrual pad. Okay. Those two things, World War One and the 70s. And that's because up until the 70s, ladies were using the like belt thing that Hannah you just described, like belts to hook your pad to to hold it up because it wasn't adhesive yet. Uh, and then the other revolution is World War One. That's when we get the first like modern pad materials. I don't even understand where was the belt going? Like, I don't understand. Like it was around your waist and then it had little dangly bits or something, kind of like those those... Yeah. Like those ones that you pulled up your, your, uh, not uh, socks, but what are those called? Panty hose oh. thingies. Is it like something like that? And my, my source on this is the highly scientific novel, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. But, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 That's what I seem to remember reading. There we go. Uh, well, yeah, because that's that's like the exact way apparently modern women find out about these. And then men, we just don't hear about it at all. But there was a device called a sanitary belt. And I just dropped a picture in the chat of one. that it's It was an elastic belt that you just put around your waist and the elastic held it there. And uh... then that would let you pin or clasp your pad up to this belt around your midsection and apparently, it was a relatively uncomfortable system. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Uh, but ladies would wear this mostly under their clothes, but apparently, it's also pretty visible unless you have a lot of layers of clothing on. Yeah, yeah, this seems like a like a that's um that's almost Rube Goldberg level. Yeah, <laughs> of unnecessary. It's, like, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's weirdly unnecessary. Like, we had a lot of technology in the 40s. Yeah. I mean, we had panties. That holds them right. in. Right. Like, that whole time. Like, the we had panties. was just a bonus. We, we had, had tape. We, we, had, uh, <laughs> we had war. You know what I mean? 
Requiem <laughs> movies? Like, why? I don't understand why they developed a thing that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because this, this leap in the 1970s is the arrival of pads with adhesives, in particular wings. And apparently the first one of these was the Stay Free Mini Pad in 1969, followed by the Stay Free Maxi Pad in 1971. And before that, many women, you know, they could use their underwear to hold it in place. Uh, some ladies on their period wore rubber bloomers in the 1920s. Uh, but also one of the biggest things was to wear a sanitary belt. And uh, that belt was patented in 1957, but also the inventor was a lady named Mary Kenner. And according to MIT, she was a black woman and invented it long before 1957. But there was enough structural racism and sexism that her patent applications kept like getting delayed or, or ignored and so on. And so <sighs> they, they were around much before this, but she did a lot to like invent what we are, what was uncomfortable, but also was like useful in this interim period. People used it, but ladies would like clip or pin their pad to this belt around their middle, and then apparently, basically, as soon as adhesive wings came along, and the wings adhere it to your underwear, as soon as those wings came along, sanitary belts really fell out of fashion really fast. It was like great, done. I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, God, obviously. <laughs> also, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the I do agree that the adhesive is like, if your underwear, are, it's not like underwear are made from, you know, you can have a nice lingerie that's flimsy, but I would say the average pair of underwear are like pretty sturdy at holding things in place. It's not like if I put something else in my underwear, it'd be like, whoa, that just fell out. Like it's, they're not like that. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's like right. the adhesive, like you said, is a bonus. It's not like... It was the whole deal, you know? That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, especially because underwear will just hold it there. And I think, I guess a lot of ladies just really wanted the extra security of, you know, like it's in place and you want it like tight. Like you don't yeah. want leakage spills and the earlier pads didn't have a lot of right. contouring and um, right. advanced yeah. design to it. It was a whole different thing. And... And then, Hannah, like you said, the, the main way the sanitary belt lives on is that people read that name in the original text of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, by Judy Bloom. Uh, and also which... an episode of The Great North recently. Um, oh, really? Good for The yeah, Great North. Yeah, they referred to the, the school supplying that instead of pads and tampons <laughs> um, because it's, it's such a remote Alaskan town. <laughs> Oh, good for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and apparently in the this original text of Bloom's book published in 1970, Margaret uses a sanitary belt at one point. And then in the 1990s, Judy Bloom went to her publisher and said, hey, let's update this element of the text because ladies aren't doing that anymore. Uh, and I'm going to link to Judy Bloom's Blogspot account. She has one. Uh, and she talked about the, her reasons for doing it. She said she wants each new generation to think of Margaret as a contemporary. And so some people said, like, don't change your book. And she said, I understand that, but I want to, like, have it make sense but I to modern change my kids. Book. Yeah. 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 I mean, the <laughs> and book, it's my book. So <laughs> the book had a lot of like it, it had a lot of things that resonate with adolescents at any age. There were there were parts about like Margaret trying to figure out her religious beliefs and oh, wow. things yeah. like that 
where that's just, you know, everyone at the age where they're finding themselves, every single person, they have, they have that point where they're like, what do I believe? How is it different from my parents? How is it different from my peers? What do I, what actually resonates with me? Yeah. Also, I, I've never read it. And yeah, me neither. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel like that would have been one for everybody to read, boys included in the class. I don't know. Like there, there was never any push for me to understand any of this. It's There's, like it's like learning the basics of it. It was like you'll get told or something. It's cool. There right, was definitely right. a part of the book too where I realized I was a bully. Um, oh no! Because it was like <laughs> it portrays her as a late bloomer who's really kind of jealous of and therefore mistreating someone who got boobs real early. And ah, uh, okay. I had Graves' disease, so I didn't hit puberty until real late. So I was an asshole to everyone I was secretly <laughs> jealous of for still looking like a child in high school and getting the kids' menu and, you know, all that stuff when my friends could just go to Venice Beach and get a tattoo. Um, kind of glad I couldn't do that now because the tattoos I would have chosen at the time were not great. But... Uh, <laughs> Judy Bloom for life, just real big. (laughs) But that it really kind of highlighted how puberty is its own struggle for everyone in a similar, less gross, but gross in a good way, way than as as like uh, the show Big Mouth or something like that. Right. Where it was just kind of like puberty. Here's a book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right on. And it's exciting to me that one of the main books that says anything about it gets at least some updating with the times. Like, cool. Yeah. I'm glad it's not all references to Nixon or something. You know, like, like it right. actually <laughs> right. kids can can connect to it. <laughs> when the and then the other leap here, this goes back to World War One, and it's part of the reason disposable pads got manufactured because in World War One. Uh, the troops in the trenches needed as many bandages as possible. And so scientists on all sides were saying, like, hey, what can be an alternative to cotton? Like, we have cotton, but we could always use more material. Um, the Allied nations found a couple of interesting alternatives. One of them is moss. It turns out you can use sphagnum moss, uh, which is also called peat moss, to be an absorbent bandage. And British Canada had a bunch of it, so they shipped a lot of that to Europe. But the Americans found a solution of cellucotton, and it was made by a Wisconsin company called Kimberly Clark. It's absorbent wadding made of wood pulp. They sent it to Europe for troop bandages, and then the Red Cross nurses who were applying the bandages like noticed that it was very, very absorbent, and then they just started using it for their periods. And then word got back to the Kimberly Clark company in Wisconsin, and they rolled out disposable pads made of it called Kotex. And that was the start of the Kotex brand and those pads. Oh, okay. And then interestingly, when you when you go to Iran, as I'm sure you're all planning for your next travel spot, yeah. Um, the <laughs> what women refer to when they when they say pads, they say Kotex. Because Makes it's sense. one of those things where it's like the first brand that got there is the word that everyone then used. Like they also, instead of calling mascara, like the, I don't know what the re- actual Farsi word is for mascara because everyone just calls it r- rimel, which is the British oh. rimel brand. Yeah. Yeah. So they say rimel 
And that's what they mean when they're talking about mascara. So like Kotex has that distinction as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's like how everyone says Kleenex instead of tissue. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I learned researching that Kotex, it's a word they invented to combine the word cotton and the word texture. Like it's supposed to mean oh, those two things. Okay. So it's, it's even kind of a correct word for... Today's pads, which, you know, like you just have to read the label of your pad to find out what it's made of. But many of them are made of a combination of either actual cotton or synthetic cottons and celluloses and things. Mm. Like it's 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 that basically has stuck from World War One. I. I mean, I feel it. You know, I feel the history in my loins, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Nagin Farsad and Hannah Michaels for sharing so much and being people who I had the absolute best time diving into this topic with. They're just wonderful on it. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is two stories for you. We're going to talk about strange secrecy around period products in the 20th century U.S., and we're going to talk about amazing new production of menstrual pads in India. And one of the stories involves bananas. I know a lot of you like bananas. Pretty good. Visit sifpod.fun for that loaded bonus show, for a library of almost eight dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring menstrual pads with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, women have been making and inventing menstrual pads all across history. Takeaway number two, World War I and the 1970s each revolutionized the menstrual pad. That's a pretty loaded takeaway. You've got cellucotton in World War I, you've got adhesive wings in the 1970s, and then the elastic sanitary band before the 1970s getting eliminated. Beyond that, tons more information about periods in general, pads in general, and some exciting new news on the front of getting people the period products they need. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Nagin Farsad is the host of Fake the Nation. That podcast will make you wiser about the news, also more in tune with what's really going on. And also, I legitimately think it will make you happier about the news. You will understand it better in a way that is positive. Also going to link Nagin's social media accounts because she has a new hour-long show that I'm sure she'll be putting up various places. She just did some shows in New York City. And, you know, if you follow those, you'll get the next information on that. And Nagin was a voice on the first season of Bird Girl. Bird Girl is a spinoff of Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. It's an Adult Swim show. And they're making a second season coming out in the summer of 2022. First season is out now. Please check out that just very funny and great and cool comedy show that I'm glad exists. 
I'll also be linking Hannah Michaels' social media accounts because she's very, very funny on those. You can find all kinds of her writing online. I'm going to link some highlights from that. And as promised, I'm going to link her Etsy store because uh, like she said on the show, she works with clay and resin to make very unique, very fun stuff. The Etsy shop is called Cat Butt Boutique. You can also find it by just searching Etsy Hannah Michaels. But lots of fun and funny things there if you want a gift for someone or a gift for yourself. It's a good way to go. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. Two of them are books I leaned on. One is called Flow, The Cultural Story of Menstruation. That is by Alyssa Stein and Susan Kim. Also leaned on a book called The Curse, A Cultural History of Menstruation, that is by Janice Delaney, Mary Jane Lupton, and Emily Toth. Beyond Flow and The Curse, loads of online resources went into this from places like JSTOR Daily, Bustle.com, National Geographic, The Smithsonian. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. (laughs) 